Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Okay, and I'm just going to put them under four easy categories. Saved, discipled, pastored, mobilized. Saved, pastored, or saved, discipled, pastored, mobilized. So everything that we do should fall underneath one of these categories. So I'm going to quickly go through these. So just, let's just take a minute and kind of look at these. First of all, saved. This is the act of putting one's hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so it, it has become very churchy for us to say, well, are they saved? Are you saved? Oh, they got saved. And if somebody comes in, they're going, what are, what are they saved from? Well, we believe when somebody puts their hope and their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, that we are coming from death unto life. Okay, and so th- this is salvation. This is a priority of our church. Okay, I believe that when we can constantly be thinking this way, that means that that people here who have been raised in the church and and understand and and know the Bible better than most theologians, potentially, right? You have the understanding of when the simplicities of the gospel are being taught so a child can understand them. You have joy in that. You You don't go, oh, I need meat I need, oh, I'm just not being fed. No, 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 no. If you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you understand that the gospel should be presented so clear that a child can understand. Salvation, that's what we do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. If that is true, and I believe that it is, you are saved when you put your hope when you put your faith as a foundation in Christ our Lord. You can amen that. That's really good, right? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't come up with it, friends. <laughs> yeah, amen, I didn't come up with that, right? Oh, man. You know, when, when you decide, when the Lord has been pulling you in and drawing you into his work, Did you know, and this is upsetting for some, that you are saved immediately? Yeah, well, there's a hallelujah in there, but there's also, well, do you know what they've done? Right? There can be anger in that. Justified. When we put our hope and put our faith in Christ, we are justified. It's just as if we had not sinned. Now, that doesn't mean that we're done. And I think that's where a lot of Christians, and I think the evangelical world got it wrong for a few decades, is we put so much emphasis on the salvation piece that there was no discipleship piece to follow that up with. And so we have what, what I call, or it's, it's not my word, it's rice Christians, right? They're around for as long as you feed them or they're getting what they want, and as soon as the food is gone, they're gone. Okay, that's, that's really not salvation, Salvation is hard. It's work, right? Christ's hard work for us. And the process after that we call sanctification. 
It is the process. It's, it's God honing us. It's us trying to become more and more and more like Jesus. All part of the now discipleship process. So that was saved. Now we're talking about discipled. Matthew 28, 19. This is Jesus' parting thoughts and, and command as he leaves. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples. Make disciples. Discipleship is moving past saved and walking into training. Walking into what's next. Who is Jesus? How do I become more like him? Okay, let's not try and make this more complex than it was meant to be. Jesus said that a child should be able to understand this, and for some reason we've made it really complex. I think we like it. I think we like complexity. And as Americans, we are doers. We're accomplishers. Look what I've achieved. And so discipleship becomes this thing that we've earned, except salvation is free. It messes up with our American thinking and psyche. We're not called to be Americans. We're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay? First and foremost, if you're an American, like myself and like Paul says, Paul talks about being a Roman citizen and he knows that it's a gift. We as Americans should know that if we are citizens, it is a gift. It is a true gift that people fought for, they spilled their blood for, that people came here for, and they're still coming and dying trying to get onto this land because of the freedoms that we have. But we cannot put that over the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never! Never! We are Christians first. We are followers of Jesus Christ first. And if there is a division, we always go on the biblical side. Every time. Every time. We become more like him. Simple. Well, it's not because it's hard. And sometimes it sucks. (laughs) Right? Giving up freedoms and things that we love. And sometimes the Lord... I don't know about you, but I have found that in my walk with Christ, that sometimes there's things that they're not sin, but he still asks of me to give up. Has that ever happened to you before? Where you're like, well, Lord, it's not really sin. I mean, I'm not sinning. But he's saying, well, no, but for you, I think it needs to be done with that. Right? That's what obedience looks like. Discipleship. So we learn what worship is, which is much deeper and holier than turning on a Hillsong or KTIS or the time of worship that we have right here. Can we get into the mindset, or does new disciples learn that the mindset is more than just turning on a worship album and understanding it's a way of life? way of life, the way of walking through life and understanding that every good gift has been given from God and, and that we can look at things around us and say, thank you, Lord, for this. You know, we don't look at a McDonald's meal and think this is going to be nutritious to our bodies. 
if you're praying for that, let's talk about finding a new way to pray. <laughs> but we can thank the Lord for the ability to make wealth and to be able to go and buy a meal. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you. Thank you for the communion that I'm sharing with other people around me. Thank you for what I'm seeing right now. Thank you for your beauty. Thank you that I'm breathing. Learning what worship can look like and work, play, marriage, parenting, I believe it starts giving us a new perspective on life and who Christ is, is understanding worship. But that's part of discipleship. Discipleship moves into knowledge and understanding, and I think that's where we lean. You know, you got to teach something, and that's all good. We have the Bible given to us, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit to man. Discipleship happens through personal devotion, creating God habits, sharing meals with other people, communion, gathering with fellow believers. And that might look like a life group. That might look like a Bible study. That may look like just an encouraging phone call to somebody as you help disciple. Do you know encouraging somebody is part of discipleship? Encouraging them in the Lord is part of what we should be doing. And maybe they're not Christians, but you're encouraging them and you're praying for them. That's what we do. Pastored. Did you know that pastoring is not just for the pastor and the staff? The most common metaphor in pastoring in Scripture is the shepherd. There is only one good shepherd. And that is Jesus. The rest of us are just posers. We are under shepherds, under the good shepherd. The shepherd guides, the, the, the shepherd feeds and mends and protects and fights for. Last weekend, I had one of the weirdest pastoral weeks of my life, and, and weird might not be the right word for it, but just the dichotomy of, of where my, my head was, was at. Here, I had been working with a couple. I had um, known the, the man for, oh man, a decade now, and his family, and his kids came up through our youth, their family, their kids came through our youth group, and, and I had been working with them for months and going through marriage, pre-marriage counseling. Amazing couple, amazing couple. And it was Friday night, and Jaina and I, if you saw, I posted a super cute picture of us because here we got to dress up, right? And um, I think it's the only place we get wedding photos now, or, you know, together. Is you just go to a wedding and you have to dress up. It's kind of like if you invite people over, you have to clean your house, right? So maybe that's what we were doing. I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Anyway, I was so excited for them as a pastor. So excited. And, and I'm... Oh, I'm trying to just think this is right now one of the best days of their lives. One of the highlights of their lives right now is getting married. And we worked for this. And they worked for it in counseling and things that we talked about. Just preparing for this day and preparing for their life ahead in a relationship with one another. But yet the entire time, my heart was being just 
crushed and pulled apart because we had just a beautiful funeral here on Saturday for two of our members, just beautiful couple. And I, I found myself, how do I find joy with this couple and yet mourn over here? How, how? And I, I felt so pulled apart. And, and I, I started just seeing this is how Christ feels with us. This is how Christ feels as the good shepherd with, with us is, is that he, he's rejoicing with, with you over here and you over here and he's break, his heart is breaking over here. Which then gives us a picture of what heaven is going to be like where there's no more tears. When we are healed and whole and one with Christ. Pastor Mary Beth and Pastor Leah have been working on care ministry and starting, some of you have seen recruitment things of ways for our church to, to care for our, our body and to expand that. And that is pastoral ministry. Going in and helping people when, when they need it most, when something is happening. Um, there's someone here that some of you may know and maybe even know by my mug, um, Sarah Cole. And Sarah, where are you here? There she is. Hope this is okay. I think it, did you get that picture that I have? See? She came in last week. And here, here's, here's the deal. Sarah, when, when she started coming here, had debilitating migraines. Debilitating. Wasn't able to drive. Wasn't able to work. She would have to leave because of lights, because of sound. Um, all, all sorts of things would, would just set her off. And you know what our church did? We prayed. But we did more than pray. There were people that came alongside her. There were people that gave her rides to church. There were people who came and, and started to invest in her. It didn't mean things were easy, right? It was not easy. Staff meeting, we'd be praying, lifting her up in prayer. And it wasn't too long ago that she was able to go to Mayo and get this um, incredibly complex procedure done, but she, you've, had, you've had relief. Zero. Zero. So, but here, here's the thing. Pastoral ministry happened through this body. People took her in while she was recovering, into their home. People went to her home. People drove her. But here's what happened. This day, I stood at my office window, and I looked out, and I saw her drive a car into our parking lot. And who cares what kind of car it was, but it was a nice car. And I started to cry, and I said, that car is a miracle, not because the car itself is because God has led you through and because our church body was able to be here and to minister during difficult times. And that is pastoring, friends. This is pastoring. This is what you are called to do. This is what I am called to do. And it's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the staff. When there's a need, when there is something, and this is what I love. I love that I only hear small portions of what you do and what our church does. But when I hear it, I get excited because I think, oh, they get it. They get it. Let's keep getting it. Man. That's exciting. 
ministry and, and when the body is starting to reflect Christ, which is discipleship, it's exciting. And when that starts going dormant, we start to die. Christ is life. We need to keep following and replicating what Christ is doing. If he's been gracious to you, be gracious to others. Lastly, mobilization. This is, or the mobilization of the church is an ever-changing, entrepreneurial-minded, malleable group of like-minded people with the goal of reaching people for Jesus through acts of service, ministry, and evangelism. This should always be changing. I think sometimes we get stuck in what works. One of the most successful things that I've ever done in ministry, we stopped doing. I loved it. It worked. It was awesome. But we had to pull the plug. It just didn't work anymore. So many times we, we get so caught up with what worked back then. When, when I was working... And I was on a manager team of Tucci Benucci in the Mall of America. And I remember um, one of the partners from Chicago came. We're sitting around this table, and I was in my, this was during my training phase. And, and he looked at me, and he said, a restaurant is a living, breathing, moving organism. And if we don't change, we die. We have to change. We have to be innovative. We have to be thinking. We can't just look. So we started at the front of the restaurant, and we just would stand out in the Mall of America in the open area, and we just start looking to see what we saw. And we would walk through every portion, every inch of the place, and we would start looking at what we saw, what needed to be changed, what could be changed. And then we would order every single meal, and we'd start with just the presentation. we put the, t the plate out on the table, and we'd just look. What is this looking like? What does it need more of? Does it need more color? How can, how can we do this? How can we improve? And in the church world, the gospel stays the same. The gospel does not change. But how we communicate it, how we reach people, will change with culture. We have people that, that think totally different, that grew up in totally different eras. And we need to be thinking, okay, the gospel stays the same. How can I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody who thinks this way and feels this way and sees the world totally different than I do? Where are the needs in our community? How can we reach those needs? How do we do it? Well, we put on our entrepreneurial head cap and we try something and maybe it fails and then we try something again and then it works and we get excited and then we realize a year, two, three, four years later it doesn't work and we go, okay, back to the drawing board, here we go. The gospel stays the same. The message stays the same. But how we do it and how we go out and talk to people will change. As churches, as people who are the church, we are imperfect people shining the perfect light of Christ. Okay? So many times we get caught up with needing to be perfect, and that's why we talk to you about facilitating leaders for life groups. Some are like, well, I'm not really that person. Well, anybody can facilitate a conversation. Well, most people can, right? <clears throat> and so it's not that you have to be a theologian. It's not like you have to be, have everything right. We are imperfect people serving a perfect God. That takes the pressure off, friends. But we're still striving after him. 
We're still striving and not saying, okay, I'm going to settle with this. We're going to talk about that in, in just a few moments. He uses us and mobilizes the body of Christ. And you know what's the best part of it? It can have thousands of different expressions. You, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, as what God said to Moses, one of my favorite, favorite lines is, Moses said, what do I have? And he goes, well, what's that in your hand? He goes, well, it's a staff. And he's like, I'll use that. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? We have different people, different strengths, different abilities. In other words, different expressions people you're connected with that nobody else here is connected with. You are an expression of Christ and you get to use that expression to reach people for Christ. This is the church mobilizing. And here's the best part. Since COVID, of course, that made things, our plans had to go away, just like everybody else's, right? We're trying to reinvent. We're trying to rethink. And so we tried things. They weren't perfect. We did a Mother's Day event. We did an Easter I Spy drive-by, which was kind of fun. It was like, okay, it wasn't as fun, right? We're stuck in our cars with our kids. You know, I get it. But, you know, we had more people come from the community than any other event that we've done since us being here three and a half years ago by doing that. Let's try it. After the murder of George Floyd, we ended up by accident, becoming the main suburb drop-off for food. And I, I don't, I mean, I know how it happened because we were, uh, my wife, Jaina, shared something that Transform Minnesota was doing. And we shared, hey, here's a great group and organization. We're also going to pick up stuff. They grabbed our name, put it under theirs, and said, oh, use their church too. All of a sudden, our foyer started filling up. And as soon as we would empty it and take it to Minneapolis, it would be filled up again. From the community, from you. We had people from Victoria to New Brighton to other side of St. Paul come into Life Assembly to drop off whatever. You know what that's called? Mobilization. That looks differently. So many of you have given into benevolence for us to be able to help people. Mobilization. The church doing, doing. Hands and feet doing. So a quick review. Saved. Jesus said the harvest is ripe, but workers are few. In other words, people need hope. They need Jesus. It's important for us to become these workers to reap the harvest that God provides. So I'm praying for us. I have a prayer that I'm going to continue to pray until it happens, that we can be a church that sees people saved every week. Every week. Discipled, I'm praying that we become a church that continues and doubles down on, on people and investing in people in different ways. I want you to repeat after me. I am the church. All right, you said it. Therefore, you are. I'm praying that more of us become aware of our roles as disciple makers. As the church, Jesus said it, make disciples. You are the church. Go make disciples. Pastored. Again, I love it when I hear about our church reaching out and loving other people and pastoring other people through meal trains, prayer. Maybe you're helping somebody, cleaning or whatever it is, or opening your home to somebody. 
pastoring. Do you get it? Do you get it? Somebody said, yep, I heard a little voice out there. And again, mobilization is the most entrepreneurial thing that we do. It can always change and it can always be tweaked. But this affords us the ability to be able to create and think out of the box on how to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we can reach, so we can engage and touch people's lives. So those are the four fundamental things that we as a church need to do, that we need to continue doing. And everything that we do should fall into one of those four categories. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. Saved, discipled, pastored, mobilized. That's what we do as a church. Amen? How much time do I have? Another hour? Amen. Amen. Second Peter. Chapter 1, this is a reminder as we're going to be closing this out. Simon Peter, a servant apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us, what? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature. One of my favorite lines in this is, remember this, partakers of his divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement. So, I'm going to come back to that word, supplement, or add, okay? Your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and with knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. So can you hold on to that for just a second? Put that one back for a second. All right, so what we're going to find is that Peter uses love for his capstone, Okay, And what we're seeing in this is that everything is building. Supplement your faith with. Now, a lot of people, and I'm in agreement, I don't really count this one as part of his virtues. Okay, But a lot of people do, and that's okay. We know that you can't please God without faith, according to the Hebrews writer right? in Hebrews 11. It is impossible to please God without faith. So, therefore, that's a really good foundation. And for those of you OCD, it's crooked just to annoy you. Okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> we've got faith on the bottom. We've got love as the capstone on the top, okay? So, virtue. Uh, the way I look at virtue, and this, I just look at it as right heart, right motives, when we have the right heart and the right motives, virtue and goodness is going to flow from us. Okay? Knowledge. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Self-control was kind of a painful one, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I had to poke and prod a little bit in your world. How's your self-control, right? 
Everyone was amening the whole, no, just kidding. Um, it's steadfastness, standing firm, and with godliness. Pastor Jim preached on godliness. All right, now you can move forward. And godliness with brotherly affection and with brotherly affection with love, okay? So here we have brotherly affection. This is where we're at today. Still annoying you with making it crooked. Knowledge. Was it self-control first? Do you remember? But here, I'm going to make a point with this here. Okay, this is the wrong order, okay? I'm going to make a point with this in just a second. One of the commentators that I was reading with this, he brought up a really good point that, that I was like, he's exactly right, is that we look at these virtues that Peter was saying. And I, I want to really kind of hold firm to the faith on the bottom because this is where we start with our faith. And love is the capstone. It's the greatest command that, that God has given us through Christ, but the rest of them, yes, they build on each other when you look at them sequentially, but how much does it matter? How much does it matter that we actually go through each one? And I'm going to make an argument that we need all of them, but how we get there building on them doesn't need to necessarily be in the same order, Okay? So, I mean, he talks about it, you know, he's repeating and they're stepping on each other like, like as we build. But Peter, Peter goes on to say, when you read a little bit further in, in that chapter, that if you don't add these qualities or these virtues into your life, he says you're nearsighted and blind. Or it essentially says your eyes are closed. And some of you may say, well, I, I love. That's, that's it. All I really need to do is love. Or I have faith and I have a gift of faith. So anyone ever watch that show called Alone? Anyone watch it? One of you? Oh, people, you're missing out. This show is crazy. Fell into it by accident. I don't. It was like season six that I saw, and at that time, I don't know. It was like nine or ten people. They take out into a barren wilderness, and they've they've given all this camera equipment, so they are actually alone. Nobody's filming them. They get to pick ten things to bring with them, and it's excruciating and it's mesmerizing and it's amazing to watch. People trying to survive with nothing. I mean, you're seeing the basics of life, and then you're seeing the psyche of people when they're literally alone, not talking to anybody. What happens to their body physically? It, it's crazy. And there was this one guy, I believe it was season six, it was the first time that somebody was able to get a big game, because it's much harder than it looks, okay? Friends in the cities, having a deer in your backyard doesn't make hunting easy, Okay? Different ecosystem. So anyway, this guy shot this enormous moose, and everything looked great, except he was literally starving on moose. 
You cannot survive on moose alone. That's kind of a bad Bible joke, so sorry. He was literally starving, wasting away. And, and they started, I think, after other seasons, they had to go and start weighing people because your body, after it sucks up all the fat, starts going to your organs, okay? And so they, they can't have people's organs shutting down, so they go and they weigh them, and if they're, if they're in a dangerous spot, they just yank them out. He was dying, and he had food. It was such a lean meat, and then he was fighting with the scavengers trying to get his fat because they wanted to survive as well. But this is what happens with us. We can't live on just one of these. We will be malnourished. You don't believe me? Godliness without love, you will be a jerk. You will be a Pharisee walking around so proud. You will be singing your praises, looking beautiful and ornate, and you will be godliness, but you will also be wretched to everyone else around you. It's kind of like a toddler, you know, banging on one key, one note. It gets really annoying, doesn't it? Knowledge without love makes you prideful and arrogant. Knowledge without steadfastness means that you will not stand up in adversity. Your knowledge is useless with nothing else. Knowledge needs virtue. It needs the right heart and the right motives. They need each other for us to be healthy. Now watch this. This might mess you up because we, all we need is love. Come on, you hippies. <laughs> Listen, if you only have love, you are going to be homeless, living in your mom's basement, loving the world, but with no skills. You will add nothing of value to this world but I love them. Well, do something about it. Well, I can't. I'm just loving. Brotherly affection and love without knowledge, without self-control, without steadfastness, godliness, virtue, and faith makes you a hippie without any drive for life. I'm kidding a little bit. <laughs> Having only love without anything to add to it will make us useless you can't, if you can't help yourself, you're not going to be able to help others. We need to add to, remember I said that sentence, supplement your faith. That word in the Greek, you know what it means? It means choir or choreography, that they come together. Add to, they need to be together in order to play the right music, in order to have the right sound, in order for us to be healthy Otherwise, we're just like a toddler pressing one note and being unhealthy, being sick. Right now, in our country, Jaina mentioned this, suicides are up significantly, ODs are up, drug use, domestic abuse, all up, depression, anxiety, up. 
There is no better than right now for us, for you, to be the church of Jesus Christ. And for brotherly affection and for love and for all of these virtues and qualities to be added to the choir of the body of Christ. The worship team, if you would please come up as we wrap up here. So what? So what? What do we do? What do we do? Peter said, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. And in verse 12, he says, to stir you up as a reminder. That's my goal today, is to stir you up some of us have been stirred up by, by this world and by fear and by anxiety that's grabbing a hold of us. And I get it. It's there. It's real. But we are supposed to be stirred up with who Christ is and who we've put our faith and our trust in. If you've put your hope and faith in Christ, you are heaven-bound, friends. We don't need to hold on like this is it. I, I found myself sometimes perplexed because I feel like sometimes Christians forget that there is more than what we're, where we're at right now. As we're pleading for somebody in their hundreds, making a, a prayer request and that they can just survive. What? They have their faith in Christ? I mean, I'm glad they're alive. Praise the Lord. Maybe I can hit 100. I don't know. But man, when I'm ready to go, I should be celebrating. I think we forget sometimes. We try so hard. Oh, we just need to, they just need to survive a little bit longer. They're in their 90s. Do we believe heaven or not? Do we believe it? I feel like we need to be reminded Yes, okay, fear. You know, I get it. This, this is hard. I, I don't want to get sick. I don't, I don't want to die early, right? But I have a hope and a faith and everlasting life with Christ our Lord. And, and we are to be partakers. That's what the words Peter used, partakers in his nature. And when we are adding these, when we are becoming a choir, we are adding to our lives and we are being a reflection of Jesus Christ. Discipleship. Discipleship. Brotherly affection. This word, words, is for the way that we treat people as Christians. Okay? This is specifically for brothers and sisters in the faith. Specifically. In other words, these are all useless if we try and go about it without this. We are not supposed to do life alone. We are supposed to do it together. We are supposed to bring each other up. We are supposed to help pastor. We are supposed to help disciple. We are to find ways to mobilize with one another, and we celebrate and we pray for the salvation of mankind. 
This is who we are as a church. And this is the direction we're going to keep going. And we're going to keep striving for it. And we're going to keep going. And maybe we have to reinvent some things. And then we do it again. And then we do it again. And I pray, I pray that we as a church get it. Would you please stand? We must bring people with us to be saved, to be discipled, to be pastored, and to be mobilized. And I want to invite you into that, even though I know most of you are doing it already. Would you worship with us for a moment, and I'll close us out. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.